And I have titled my message today, How to Have Victory Over Your Doubts. I'm sure that many of you have discovered the day after you give your life to Christ, you have all kinds of doubts. The devil makes sure of it. It's just almost a positive result of conversion. He is going to throw all kinds of questions at you. Did anything really happen? Are you really different? You don't believe Christ really cares about you, do you? Those kinds of insidious suggestions. So we need the emphasis that is found in this booklet under the subject of assurance and the verses that you have shared from the back of your bulletin. Let me add one to the list that is there, that being Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 16. It's really a prayer of the apostles when he said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The verse just before Romans 8.38 is another affirmative promise. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Christianity is not a beat-down, pushed-around kind of thing. It's a thing of assurance, it's a thing of promise, and it's a thing of power. Now, one more scripture, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 28. It is the last chapter of this gospel, and I want to read the last few verses, beginning at number 16. Matthew 28, verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age or the end of the world. Two statements in those few verses of importance, but some doubted, verse 17, and the statement in verse 20, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. The story is told of a Russian named Ivanovich who visited the Moscow Zoo for the first time. To his amazement, he found a little lamb sharing the cage that held a big, fierce bear. 
Ivanovich expressed surprise to his communist guide at what he saw. The guide smiled and said, that is peaceful coexistence. When Ivanovich doubtfully shook his head, obviously in disbelief, the guide explained, well, of course, we have to put in a fresh lamb every morning. Well, I use that as an illustration of the next statement I'm about to make. Christianity and doubt is not possible. God and the devil do not mix. Faith and doubt are not companions. It is an impossibility. No matter what people say and no matter what it may appear to be, on the outside, doubt and Christianity are not companions. Faith and doubt do not mix. You cannot put a lamb in the cage with a bear and expect the lamb to survive. So it is important that we examine the scriptures about where our faith is. Jesus, following the resurrection, went up into a mountain near to the Galilee to speak to his disciples. They worshipped him, but some doubted. Man's great adversary, the tempter, has sowed the seeds of doubt at the very beginning of the whole story. And it continues to this very day. In the Garden of Eden, with everything man needed, the devil said, Hath God said... What was he doing? Planting the seeds of doubt. And it's been going on through the centuries. Be assured of this. The people that have moved the world and the people that have influence and are reaching out to bless mankind are the people who believe. They're not the doubters. They are the people who believe. Assurance flows from them. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. He's not a doubter. He's a truster. He's a believer. He's filled with confident assurance of his God and of his future. I want to talk about three areas of doubt today. Your doubt about God, your doubt about yourself, and your doubt about life situations. Let us first of all deal with your doubt about God. We send out the ambassador of our mind and soul to stand on the highest eminence of human reason and experience and knowledge to tell us whether or not there is a God. Sometimes as we stand there, it is as though no answer comes. There is nothing. You don't hear his voice. You don't see him. But suddenly, there is the presence of Jesus Christ. He comes in human experience to make himself known. 
And there is what we call a new birth, a salvation experience, or an encounter with the Almighty. And our heart shouts, there is a God. For we see Him in Jesus Christ, His beloved Son. You touch Him, and He touches you. Peace flows into your being. Tonight in the film about the Billy Graham Crusades, you will see the faces of people who came down from the stands to an altar to receive Christ and to accept the message that had been preached unto them. As I looked into their faces, one testimony came to me, God is. You can see it in the relief in their countenance, the easing of their muscles, the sinews of their bodies relax because of that encounter with God when doubt vanishes and peace flows in. As I looked into one lady's face on that screen, it was as though the Spirit said to me, it's just like coming home. It's how you feel when you walk in to the homestead and share with family members. You belong your home. So it is with meeting God. We pick up this book, the Bible, and read the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we say, God is. We have no problem with that. There's no doubt there at all. God is. Where did all of this come from? God is. That's the position of a Christian. A father was trying to teach his little son about the creation and how he could have faith in God, and he wasn't getting very far. This little lad was having difficulty with this thing of faith. So the father got what I believe was a very creative idea. He went to the garden, and he planted seeds in the form of his son's name. Weeks went by when suddenly the lad came running to his father and said to him, Father, my name is growing in the garden. Now the father didn't want to get too excited about that right off, so he said, Oh, it probably just happened. The boy took him by the hand and led him to where his name was in the garden. And the boy said, Father, it cannot have just happened, so someone must have planted it. He used that opportunity to say to his son, Son, so it is with the universe and with you and with me. It did not just happen, so someone designed it. Someone planted it, and his name is God. The boy saw it, and the boy believed. Is not the world with its order and man with his fearfully and wonderfully made nature a monument to the existence and the power of God? I say absolutely. We have found God through Christ and we say, wow, I have come home. But then as I intimated at the beginning, doubt creeps in. 
Did he really forgive me? Does he really love me? Which brings me to say, so often our picture of God is distorted. Our picture of Christ is distorted. He's kind of like a CIA agent around the corner waiting to get us, or put us in the camp in Siberia. That's not God, but somehow we've gotten that picture of God. If we don't cross our T's just right and dot our I's just perfectly, that God is very angry with us and that God is going to do something to get even with us. We have to change that image. And I'm here to try to help you today. The Bible says we can be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Psalm 121 verse 5 says, The Lord is thy keeper. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Jude 24 reads, Unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Let us begin to see him that way. He's not only the God of creation and the God who brings salvation, but he is the keeping God who loves us to the very end and will never leave us nor forsake us. God will take care of you. The basic secret is here before us in the second chapter of this little booklet on discipleship, believing that God is for you, not against you, that he gives you assurance, and doubt has to flee. Our problem could be illustrated in the story of the little boy who was writing a letter to God asking for a little sister. He was sitting at his little table and he wrote, Dear God, I've been a very good boy. He stopped, thought. No, he said, God won't believe that. So he wadded up the paper and threw it in the trash can and started to write again. This time he wrote, Dear God, most of the time I've been a good boy. He stopped in the middle of that line, again thinking, and he said, God won't be moved by this. So that went into the trash. And then suddenly he jumped from his chair, ran into the bathroom, grabbed a big terry cloth towel off the rack, went to the fireplace mantel, and grabbed the statue of the Madonna that he had seen many times on his parents' mantel in the living room. He placed it in the middle of the towel, folded it carefully, and then put a big rubber band around it, laid it on the table where he was working, and began his third letter to God. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again... <laughs> how we beg and coerce and maneuver God... He's for us. But that's the attitude that so many have. Savior and companion both. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Daniel believed it and he went into a lion's den and survived. The three Hebrews believed it and went into a burning fiery furnace and survive. 
David believed it and went onto the battlefield with a giant and survived. Paul believed it and went into jails and on ships and was shipwrecked and he was beaten and tried, but he believed it and he survived. Because he knew Jesus not only saved him, but Jesus would keep him. You've got to deal with your doubts about God. He is! When Moses was to go to Pharaoh and he was frightful about that prospective, he said, God, what shall I say? And God said, just tell him, I am hath sent me unto you. That's the idea he wants us to get a hold of as Christians. We have the great I am with us. There is no one greater. And he's not against us. He's for us. And he makes us more than conquerors. I understand what a conqueror is, but what does it mean when you can be more than a conqueror? That's powerful stuff. Why don't we live in it? Deal with your doubts about God. Let them fly away. He's for you. And he's revealed that through Jesus Christ. Secondly, let's deal with your doubts about yourself. A recent Gallup poll indicated that three out of ten Americans don't feel good about themselves. Thirty-seven percent have high self-esteem, 33% rank average, the rest poor. Now, when I read that, that said to me that 67 out of every 100 persons in this building today needs help. 67 out of every 100 that hear my voice needs help. God created us a little lower than the angels, crowned us with glory and honor and put us over the works of his hands, but we don't live like it because we don't believe in ourselves. My discovery through the years has been that if you cannot really affirm God in your life, you have a problem with your feelings about yourself. You cannot have a great faith in God until you have a faith in yourself. That's why my first point is so important. When you meet God through Jesus Christ, you begin to see who you really are. That you were important enough to God for Jesus to die for you, and you start lifting up your head. You begin to think you are somebody. Philosophers, psychologists, sociologists have been saying that the outstanding characteristic of the 20th century is our search for identity. Humanism won't help you there. Atheism won't help you there. It is only a faith in God that will help you there. If you get salvation, if you live in it daily, you begin to see yourself in the light of being created in the very image of God, valuable to God and valuable to man. You can achieve if you believe. Now, that's one of my own lines. That's worth printing on a medallion or something. If you believe, you can achieve, or you can achieve if you believe. 
problem with many of you who are here. You don't believe in yourself. You're just barely getting by. Some of you ladies don't think you're beautiful. Some of you men don't think that you're worth a whole lot. You're beautiful in spite of the beauty cult that glamorizes the external aspects of life at the expense of inner beauty. There is a beauty cult in our time. You can be beautiful and not bountiful, ladies. You don't have to be a Dolly Parton. And gentlemen, you don't have to be a Burt Reynolds to be handsome. Far as I'm concerned, he's far from that because of the life he lives. There's no inner beauty that comes forth. It's what comes from within that counts. I'm confident that we spend far too much of God's money trying to get beautiful on the outside when we ought to spend time with God getting beautiful on the inside. Because that's what counts. Your status does not depend on your diploma, your position, your income, or whatever, but on inner peace and a sense of security that can be found in Jesus Christ. If you can understand the love that Paul understood, you will begin to think of yourself with a confident manner, and you will not doubt yourself anymore. For he said in the passage we read from Romans 8, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If you understand love, you will understand you are valuable in this world. And you must. You count. You're beautiful. No one is like you. You're the only print that God made like that. You have something to offer that will bless God and bless man. An optometrist put a sign in his office which read, if you don't see what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. (laughs) I like that. I feel that way about this truth. If you don't see what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. Put on the assurance that Christ gives. You are important to God and to man. You count. You're beautiful, I say again. Let your doubts about yourself fly out the window today. God made you for a purpose. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are created in His image. And it's time you live like it. I wish we could be like that cat, honey, that we saw. Where? There you are. We went to a house... They all thought I was calling them honey for a minute there. (laughs) We went to this house years ago to visit this couple that had come to our church, and we saw the strangest cat. Now, I don't have a real fondness for cats. My brother Ray does. He just loves cats. He always has cats around. 
But that not, that's not my thing. Now, grandkids, yeah, that's... But this cat was unusual. This cat, I'm sure, thought it was a human being. It was unbelievable. He owned the place, as far as he was concerned. Sat at the table, used the toilet. (laughs) Honestly, I've never seen anything like it. I watched that cat go around and thought, who does he think he is? All he had on his neck was a dumb flea collar. But you know, he thought it was a diamond-studded necklace. I'm sure of it. When that cat got sick, those people asked for prayer and the cat was healed. Amazing cat. When she said, when my cat dies, will it be in heaven? What could I say? (laughs) I don't know if it'll ever die. It was unbelievable. But I went away from there thinking, God, if we could just think of ourselves as that cat thinks of himself, that old feline, thinking he runs this place. And everything in his neck is diamond-studded. Thinks he's a human. If we could just think about ourselves like that, elevate ourselves, take that kind of authority over our lives, how much better we would be. You have to deal with the doubt about yourself. You're somebody. You go home and look in the mirror and say, you're somebody. You count. You're important. You can get up in the morning and find it just as easy to say, I believe in myself, as if to say, I doubt myself. It's just as easy. It doesn't take any more breath or any more effort to say, I believe, than it does to say, I doubt it. And this is Christian, this is gospel, this is where we have to live if we're going to conquer the forces of evil that surround us today. You are a powerful human being. You have come to know Jesus Christ. You have every reason in the world to believe in yourself and your ability to succeed. The third area of doubt I want to talk about is doubt about life situations, and mainly two. There are many others, but I can only devote time to two. The family and your career. As I look at our times with all of the uncertainties and everything that's happening, I say about the family, the family was given by God so that we could affirm each other a family setting. What do we see today? We see family members putting each other down. We hear parents say, you idiot! Can't you see that? Look at these grades! As if that was the criterion of life, grades. And if I'm speaking to any students, and your folks do that, look up one of their grade cards and take them one of theirs when you take yours. 
But you see, parents want to see their kids on a higher level than they are. But my dear friends, we have to believe in each other. That's why God has given us the family. Don't doubt your family. You're there to build each other up and to share God's powerful promises together. You're not there to demean one another. Why don't you look better? Why don't you cook better? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? That's what is heard in home after home, and it's no wonder we're cracking at the seams. We're not affirming one another. We're not lifting up one another. We're not edifying one another. The family was given to edify and to uplift, not to put down. And if I may say a word about what you let into your homes, tune out those sour tunes that are a part of today. Just like you keep screens on your windows to keep out flies and pesky mosquitoes, so you need screens on your home to keep out certain sounds and certain material and certain TV programs. The family is a place of edification. The home is to be an honored place of peace. You've got to turn out some sounds if it's going to become that again. Put screens on. You're a parent that's allowing punk rock in your home. You are to be pitied. If you're a parent that lets the kids run the roost and do what they want to do, and they're still eating at your table and wearing the clothes you buy, you are to be pitied above all other people on the face of the earth. You need to put some screens on, because as long as you petty they pet them and cajole their circumstance and let them do what they want to do, you're going to have doubt in your family setting. You will not survive the crush of our time. You've got to set some guidelines. You have to establish what comes in to that family unit. And I say in Jesus' name, do it today before the mountain falls upon you, before it's too late. Why do kids have doubts? Because they don't see their parents' living faith. Why is it difficult for some ungodly husband to see that he needs Jesus Christ because those in the home are supposed to be Christians, don't live a whole lot different than those who are supposed to live it out daily? What is it with you that needs to be changed, that needs to be remedied, that needs to be fixed? These verses on the back of the bulletin will be a tremendous aid to you if you'll read them and stick them in your heart. You can be strengthened with might. That's not a put-down thing. That's not a defeated thing. That's something supernatural. Strengthened with might by His Spirit on the inner man. You'll have reservoirs of experience, truth, power to use against the attacks of the enemy. The other area is that of your career. 
It's interesting these days to watch what's happening with the financial crunch. People are changing careers in the middle of the stream. People are looking for new things to do. And I see a terrible amount of frustration and doubt because of it. As I was contemplating this message, it was as though the Lord spoke to me and said, here is the answer. The source of joy in life is generosity. And so many are looking for jobs and looking for career changes and looking for the gold at the end of the rainbow without one idea of what they can give to the world, what they can give to a company, what they can give to a job to make it better in our time. They're only thinking of what they can get. And I said, thank you, Lord. I believe that. I want you to go to your job tomorrow and invest in that job. Invest in your career. Don't always be looking for what the company can do for you, but what you can put into that company to make it better and see what happens. Don't doubt. You are strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Your standard is different than the world's. Your position is different than anybody else's in that company. You're coming at it with what you can give to it rather than what you can get from it. And when you do that, doubt vanishes. Doubt disappears. There is a release of power in your life such as you've never known before. There is a sense of confidence and of assurance that will enable you to climb and to survive in difficult times. Deal with doubt about life situations. Strike at your doubt and do it today. The experiment was made of a heavy steel bar hanging from a ceiling with a bottle cork suspended next to it. Those who were using this experiment, wanted to prove the power of rhythm. They wanted to see what could happen if a bottle cork hit a heavy steel bar often enough and regularly enough. For one hour, nothing happened as that cork swung like a pendulum, striking at the end of its swing the heavy steel bar. But after an hour of this, it was thought by those giving the experiment that that bar shuddered just a little bit. The cork kept swinging and kept striking the heavy steel bar, and with a few more swings, suddenly that heavy steel bar convulsed and began to swing just like the little cork that had been hitting it for over an hour. And the two of them hung there swinging exactly alike just like the pendulum of a clock. It's the same with the dripping faucet on a rock. If that faucet drips, 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 drips with regularity, after a period of time there's a dent in the rock, and if it happens long enough and often enough, the rock will split because of the power of rhythm. 
Can you imagine what would happen with our doubts today if we would strike our doubts? What is the problem with many of us? We don't hit the altar often enough. We don't pray enough. We don't read enough. We don't affirm ourselves in God through the Word. We say, I don't understand it, rather than getting a good book that will explain it, lay it side by side, let somebody tell you what it says, and let the Holy Spirit make it a part of your life. If you do it often enough, hard enough, long enough, your life will begin to swing, and the joy of the Lord, which will be your strength, will fill your life anew. Your doubts will disappear, and your life will be full and meaningful and a credit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here is the verse again. I am confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or perform it or complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He didn't start you on this way to leave you in midstream. He didn't touch your life to leave you flooded with doubt. He touched you to make you a dynamic, viable credit to his name and to touch your world in a powerful way before Jesus comes. Deal with your doubt. Have the assurance that this word will give you and the assurance that Christ will give you if you'll just throw yourselves upon his mercy and upon his grace. He cares about you. You're really somebody to him. Start seeing yourself that way and see what will happen. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Our Father, we humbly bow seeking your help in the closing moments of this service, dealing with our doubt, needing assurance, We pray, Father, that men and women, young people all over this building will begin to experience your touch. Some walked into this building today feeling they don't count to you or anybody else. May they see themselves differently. May they read these verses over and over again and Remember that doubt keeps us from God, keeps us from victory. Some doubted, but we are to believe and go everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for these moments, Lord, when we can examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith, Examine our homes, our careers, what's really motivating us. Are we filled with doubts and fears, or are we filled with faith and courage? While our heads are bowed and no one is looking around, may I ask...